Balance your trading strategy by adding futures. CME Group helps you manage risk and capture opportunities in all market environments. Capitalize on around-the-clock access to highly liquid global futures and options market across all major asset classes. Just visit your online broker and get started. Plug into valuable educational materials and trading tools and see what adding futures can do for you at cmegroup.com slash on the tape. Tuesday, May 30th. It's incredible, Dan. We're on the precipice of the second half of 2023. This is Market Call. It's just Dan Nathan. It's just Guy Adami. It's just 1 p.m. And we're going to 5,000 in a half hour because that's what we attempt to do. This Market Call, of course, brought to you by CME Group, Dan, where risk meets opportunity. And, of course, our data provider has been and will continue to be Fact set. How are you, Dan Nathan? I'm, I'm doing well. Um, financial data and analytics powered by tomorrow. And tomorrow will be the last month of this month of May where, you know, some people, not you, some people as it relates to the stock market, you know, they got some of those sayings. They say what? <laughs> Sell in May and go away. I mean, that didn't really help this month of May, did it? I mean, we were like the S&P has been just in this really tight range. We've talked about it, the VIX, the the index that that, that tracks the volatility of that fine index or the 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 500 stocks I mean, it's been like pinned, it's like a teenager, it's like a, a unruly teenager, you know, mm. it's one of those ones that, you know, wants to be 17 um, but really can't get there, guy, right? And so we got one day left here, buddy. And yeah. when we wake up here, we got this debt ceiling deal. I don't think you or I ever thought it was really going to get tripped. Um, you know, we did think there might be some political ramifications that would kind of take this thing to the 11th hour. I'd say it's kind of the 11th hour, but it seems like we have a deal. Yeah, we in principle still yeah. needs to be voted upon. Now, Janet Yellen gave the drop, and I hate using the term, but the drop dead date went from June 1st, which was this week, to the 5th which I, I don't think it's any irony or coincidence that the fifth gets us to Monday. So it gets us a weekend to sort of wrangle this thing out, which will be, it will be sorted out. And I think we've said it all along. I thought the market would react um, more disfavorably as, as we went further into this. But I think all along the market was saying, we know you're not going to trip this thing. So why should we even bother selling the market when we know it's going to be rectified? And I think that's what we're seeing here. In terms of what we're seeing in the broader market, 4,200 in the S&P, um, the NASDAQ continues to party, as you like to say. Russell continues to be under pressure. The VIX, oddly enough, actually spiking over the last hour or so, but still relatively tame, below 18. Uh, regional banks under pressure. So I guess the point is there's something for everybody in this. Um, there's something for the bears, and there's clearly a lot for the bulls. Yeah, let's talk about the S&P. If we look at the day chart here, you know, it wasn't like, listen, I think, you know, you and I were talking earlier, you made this point, I think, fairly succinctly that that Friday's action was in anticipation, right, that we would have some sort of framework for a deal that could get voted on this week. So the market kind of rallied ahead of that. We had a close above 4,200 in the S&P 500. You look at the day chart here, we've been selling into it. And there's plenty of areas. You just mentioned the banks. I mean, when I look around my main fact set screen, we're going to hit some of these things, but I see retailers acting horribly. You've been talking mm -hmm. about the target. It's down 3%. We know that some of these 
um, you know, these kind of department stores stocks. We're going to get a couple reports from them this week, Macy's and Nordstrom's. They just act horribly in front of their reports. Look at the main money center banks. You know, Bank of America is down nearly 1%. Wells is down 1.5%. Goldman's down 1% in the investment banking space. Not particularly great. Crude oil and the major energy stocks. We're going to look at all those, but they don't act well, right? The resource stocks don't act well. There's, you know, so I, I mean, to me, other than what's gone on in tech, you know, it doesn't feel great. If look at the S&P chart, though. You mentioned that 4,200 level guy, right? So we had the close above it on Friday, <clears throat> kind of, you know, either side of it today, yeah. you know, and so to me, that doesn't feel particularly great. But I think the most important part of the S&P 500, when we think about it, is that, okay, there it is. I mean, very constructive chart. You look at that 200-day, it's down there at that uptrend that's been in place from the October lows. It really feels like what is the gusto that's going to get it going above 4,200 meaningfully? Is it going to be a positive vote on the deal? I don't think so. No. 43.35 in the August highs in the futures here, guys. But I guess more importantly, Let's pull up the equal weight S&P. And I want to see what your eye sees when you look at that versus, and maybe they'll toggle, that Jacob can toggle back and forth. That's not constructive. You know what I mean? So talk to me about the relationship between the market cap weighted <clears throat> that's being drawn up by five or six stocks and the equal weight, which really feels like it's stuck in the mud. Let's go to the equal weight because I think that tells the, the better story. You know, the equal weight suggests we continue to fail at the moving average. The equal weight suggests... Um, that but for a handful of stocks, the market's been sort of nowhere stuck in the mud, and we're nowhere near where we were, obviously, uh, earlier this year and late last year. So I think it's telling a great story. If you go back and toggle back real quick, today's actually an interesting day, believe it or not. I know not a lot seems to be going on, but we actually traded up to 42.31 in the S&P. We've obviously given all of it back. It's going to be interesting to see how we close today, because if we do, in fact, close lower, you know, people will start talking about outside days and, you know, our failure to sort of get to the prior highs back in August of last year. When I think it, Dan, you probably know 43 and a quarter or so, I think was the high that day. So, yep. and if you go back and look, we touched the 200 day moving average that day and then subsequently failed. So if this is the day where for whatever reason, things seem to be reversing, which they are other than a handful of stocks, we're going to have a story on the back end. But in terms of the debt ceiling, I don't think at this point that debt ceiling is market moving either way. Yeah. Well, let's, let's look at the NASDAQ futures here, the E-minis. And I think this is interesting because, again, you know, we look at that breakout back in mid-May, May 15th or so, above 13,500. We went st straight to 14,500. And when you think of that, so you can look at the NASDAQ 100 guy and you can say, okay, well, Microsoft, Apple, um, you know, Amazon, Google, Google was a huge participant. You know, they had their Google IO earlier in the month and got going here, but this is all related to the same trade. And then what happened with Nvidia starting Thursday's gap and, and the follow through here, you know, that's, that's that thousand points in the NASDAQ 100. Okay. And that seems pretty concentrated in those names, but then there's other things that are going on here. You know, lots of other software stocks have been sucked up. Adobe got going. Um, look at this C3 AI. It's, doubled guy in a month you know look at the move that palantir has had it's up seven percent today so so the breadth among this story is broadening out but it's not broadening out in a way that i think is particularly constructive if you think that the nasdaq futures or the 100 futures can hold these gains because if everyone heads for the doors 
and those five stocks at the same time, it's going to get really ugly. I, I really think, though, guy, we're going to have a down three, four, five percent day in one day in the Nasdaq 100 in the not so distant future. So let's take so let's take a look if folks can sort of move their eyes to the left of the screen and go back to August of last year when the Nasdaq had one of these runs to the upside. And you can see we got close to but we failed effectively to get to the 200-day moving average, and then you see the subsequent sell-off. Okay, just sort of keep that in mind because look what we've done here. You know, if you go back and look, we got down to and then bounced off the 200-day moving average in March. But each time when you start getting two or three standard deviations away from the moving average, which is what happened, by the way, if you go back and look sort of um, October, November of 2022, and that's where we are now, these things become mean reverting. So to your point, um, though that day is, Im I don't want to say imminent because I sound like I'm being dogmatic, but that day is in the cards and I don't know what it's going to be on the back of, you know, it's hard to say. It's interesting. You had that NVIDIA filing on Friday. I, their shelf, um, $10 billion is not a big deal, but by the way, good for them. Uh, yeah, this is a great opportunity that. to raise money. If in fact, that's what they decide to do. The market again, doesn't seem to care. And when you have people tripping over themselves, I mean, if we can pull this chart up real quick, um, AVGO, which reports, I believe, on Thursday, Broadcom yeah. or Avago, whatever they call it now. I don't know if Jacob can do that or not. You had a 10% move in this stock in a day last week. And I bring that up because this isn't a $30 billion stock. This is a $300 billion company. And it's just not natural, Dan, to have moves of that magnitude. So when you well, start guys, seeing weird things like that, look, I mean, today. just look at that chart. For I mean, I'm yeah, not trying at, to be hyperbolic here, but look at that. Pull, pull up the one day. I mean, if this thing, this thing is almost $100 off of its highs, that's sort of buying, okay? And you've used this expression in the pack. That is panic buying. That is either short saying, get me out, or it's longs who are just underexposed yeah. to this whole trade and they think from a valuation differential, this is a great way to do it. Marvel's had similar price action. So if 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 Broadcom goes down on the day, you know, two days before its earnings, I mean, if watch if NVIDIA goes down on the day, you're gonna have a NASDAQ that closes down two or three percent, in my opinion, because if that leadership can't hold, okay, after it's gone absolutely parabolic. Then you have a really unsettled situation. So I think it's been unsettled to the upside. It could get a little nasty to the downside. And we haven't had wholesale selling in the stock market really since, you know, March when we had the regional bank thing. So, um, again, you know, there's been and you've been saying there's been no real volatility in the stock market until we just had this sort of move. The volatility has been in the bond market. And I got to tell you, guy, are you a li little bit surprised? And we've been highlighting a market call for the last week or two. All of the, the really hawkish fed speak that we've seen yeah. right so the cme fed watch tool is now pricing about a 40 percent probability of a 25 basis point hike in june think and about I, that yeah i suspect yeah. that's going to be 50 50 you know as we as we get into towards the end of the week especially because we got ism manufacturing and we have the may jobs data friday morning and if that stuff doesn't lay up like you know what i mean like we're going to be north of 50%. And so you tell me, if all of these sorts of high valuation tech stocks started to sell off like crazy late 2021, early 2022, because the Fed was about to start raising rates after years of a zero interest rate bound, and now we are Fed funds at 5%, maybe about to go to five and a quarter, 
do these valuations make sense right now because no. there's well, a bubble in excitement in one technology? It's interesting. First of all, it, you know, Broadcom, and, and this is an important chart. I, I think it's you can't understate this, what we're talking about in terms of another Fed hike. Remember, you had people talk, and again, I don't know where they're getting this from, but you have people talking about rate cuts in the back half of this year, which we're on the precipice of in terms of the back half of the year, number one. So this is interesting. The market clearly doesn't care. Broadcom, which has already traded 7.5 million shares today at 111, typically trades 2.5 million shares. So that's well on its way to trading about five or six times normal volume. That stock traded to 917 today. Um, it's pulled back significantly. That's a stock that for the longest time you could actually make a case on valuation. But when a stock like that moves over the course of a couple of days, something's, something's broken in the market, I would submit. Yeah. And to your point, does it support these? Does this interest rate environment support these valuations? No. I mean, absolutely not. And we're not haters. But, you know, you go back historically, every time people said it's different in terms of valuations and why the market can support, go back and look again. Sun Microsystems back in the day and some of the commentary around that company, it didn't come to fruition. It didn't mean the technology wasn't viable and their vertical wasn't viable. It just meant the valuations that they lived in were ridiculous. And I think that's what's happening here. AI is not going away, but the valuations that are trying to support this are, are folly, in my opinion. Well, the AI, or the valuation is right. It's it's just it's a it's a function of the demand by investors. So yeah. again, you know, and you and I, you know, said this. I mean, the the guidance that 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 Nvidia game gave was shocking. I mean, it was absolutely shocking. So there's a lot of folks who are off sides. You know, I've been shorted, um, and not not naked shorted, but I've been shorted, losing money. And you know, to me. If I was like just short the stock, I'd ha I would have had to cover, you know what I mean? But um, and I think that, that that's probably what happened today is that people just threw in the towel. That stock was up six and a half percent at one point and checked over a trillion dollars. I mean, if this stock goes down in a day, watch out, people. I'm just saying, watch the F out. All right. Let's look again, at just again, not yeah. that I don't want to hammer NVIDIA. First of all, I agree with you, you know, and I've been equally wrong, but you know, even if you this is a company, by the way, that prior to that guidance was on track for like a thirty two billion dollar run rate. So even in the best, obviously, they guided from seven and a half billion dollars to eleven billion in terms of revenue. So you want to give them a forty billion dollar run rate ish. I mean, you can do the math off a trillion dollar valuation. You want to give them a fifty billion dollar run rate, which I think is extraordinary. It's still expensive at 20 times revenue. So at what point? Does this thing become, I mean, when do people start to care about valuations? Do you think, I mean, almost by definition, I think, uh, you know, when you start hearing about um, TAC and all those different things, total addressable market, TAM, and the, that's when that's when typically these things come to an end, not, not the beginning, Dan. Yeah, fair enough. I got it. Um, and I agree with you. Um, let's look at the yields, though. Let's look at the two-year. It's, you know, very near 4.5%. Um, we see the 10 year at, you know, three, six, five or yeah. so you see a 75, a 79 uh, basis point inversion between the two ten. That's not getting better. I mean, it, it narrowed for a bit. Right. And, and, and maybe that like some people thought that was a bit constructive, but some of the data that suggests the longer the inversion and, and the, you know, at, at the levels in which it has, I mean, some, something's got to happen sooner or later, your guy. And, you know, I, that, that 10 year right there, you look at that today, it's down, you know, I don't know, uh, what are we down? Like 10 basis points or something like that. We were at 
385, I think, on Friday morning or something like that. So, you know, that three and a half level psychologically, maybe that's a bit important. Maybe it's that three, three level or something. And you and I have been pretty steadfast. I think the 10 year and the discount to the two is obviously respective of future growth. And the two is tracking what the Fed Fed is likely to do and where Fed funds is. Um, but to me, this is not particularly great. And if the 10 year were to continue this slide lower, um, and I think it does is my 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 guess here is that some of the growth data like look like it's weak. It looks like the China data is going to continue to get weak. And that two year is pinned to what the, the Fed is going to do. I mean, that inversion winds out and I don't think it makes it better for um, risk asset valuations. You know, we, it really speaks to more stagnation environment. We've brought it up. We've brought it up on the tape podcast. The fact that it, I think at its trough, I think two's tenths went to about 43 basis points or so. I might be off, so don't at me. But very quietly, it's moving back to 75 basis points. Who knows where it's going now? And again, people want to discount it. They say it doesn't matter this time. Well, I'll tell you what doesn't seem to be discounting it. And you brought this up earlier as well, are some of these regional banks, which we don't necessarily have to get into but the KRE is down a percent today on what was a decent tape. So, again, regional banks seem to be telling a continued story. And to your point, the inversion in the yield curve, when it got to 110 basis points, the market didn't like it. Somehow the market thought it was constructive when it went below 50 basis points. But here we are winding out again. It's problematic um, in a word. So yeah. we'll see. And historically, um, it does, does not augur particularly well for uh, risk assets. Yeah, we got to look at this crude chart here because it's, you know, which we, we is also about, a risk asset. <laughs> it is. And it seems to be getting riskier. It, you know, the lack of rally that we've seen and, and we talked a little bit about some of the comments that some of the OPEC members have <laughs> yeah. made. And, you know, there's a meeting coming up and it just feels really heavy, guy. It, you know, it feels like something that you and I, you know, like I don't I don't think it makes a sense. You know, listen, we, we like to highlight a couple of trades and, um, you know, when we're doing especially the futures and the use of the. Um, you know, this stops makes it really kind of, you know, good to kind of get in there and take some shots. But today's action down three and a half, four percent, it feels like it, we're on the precipice of something. It feels like that there's something that, you know, China is about to say about their growth and, 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 and the like here, because it just doesn't feel good. We've talked about the resource stocks and coal acts really bad and copper acts badly and, and the stocks act poorly that reflect them. And they're all getting hit today. You know, where is this growth fear coming from right now? China, 100%. You hit the nail on the head. And, you know, to a certain extent, obviously, what's going on in Europe, United States is probably going to follow. But it's all the bullseye for this is China. And I think we've talked about it now for a couple of weeks. I know we talked about it on Fast Money. More and more, the network seemingly picking up on it. Very quietly, China's shutting things down. It's, again, you know, around the edges, nothing all that overt. But you know, one has to wonder what's going to happen if, again, you see lockdowns or shutdowns there. What does it mean to the supply chain? But obviously, in the context of what we're talking about, what does it mean for this underlying security in the form of crude oil? You know, I've been dogmatic without question in commodity. It, I've looked smart at times. I've looked dumb at times. Today's not a day I'm looking all that smart. 68-ish is your line in the sand. If you could go back to that prior chart, you'll see we bounced off that a number of times, um, number being three. We'll see. But it, you're right, Dan. It, it does not trade well. The only, I guess, wild card out there, and you brought it up, there's an OPEC meeting coming up. And I'm paraphrasing now, so forgive me. But um, in, a, in a statement OPEC made, it was sort of, if you're short, and again, I'm paraphrasing, be careful. You're going to get the ouchies. Obviously, their, their use of the, the language probably escaped them. But 
I think what they're saying is be careful being short oil in this environment. I think you can get surprised. And it briefly worked in the spring until it gave it all back. We'll see if it works now. I think the market's trying to call their bluff, though, right here at 69 and change. Yeah, but, it, you know, and, and the thing is, guys, it's just not cool. It's just not about only about oil. I mean, oil is down 4.5% without any meaningful headline, dude. Like like that, you know, to me just seems really odd. And I look around and I'm looking at the stocks and I'm looking at what's like what's trading today and I'm looking at industrials trade really poorly. I'm looking at China traded FXI is down 3%. Like I said, we had a consumer confidence reading and look at the way retail trades, look at the way banks trade, both large and regionals, you know, and it just feels like, man, it's just like we are holding on to this this story that is going to transform the global economy. It's going to transform industries, it's gonna transform you know companies' fortunes and this and that or whatever. And it's just also kind of interesting to me. And I know that we talked about this with Liz Young this morning on our on the tape pod, which dropped. Uh, and, and it's a very just you know when we do it on a day like today, it's a very different thing than we're doing here. This is meant to be a lot more visual and and more trading oriented, a lot more charts. But we're talking about how. You know, Elon Musk's he, he landed in China this weekend. Um, Jamie Dimon's going to China uh, this week. Um, Morgan Stanley and, and JP Morgan are hosting conferences there. Um, Jensen Wang, though, the, the CEO, uh, you know, of, of NVIDIA was over there in Taiwan, you know, where mm-hmm. a lot of their the chips are made. And also they were like ground zero for this advanced chip ban from our government, basically, this was back in September. Do you remember October saying that that NVIDIA can't sell certain AI chips? Um, this is before the frenzy, right, to the Chinese. So it's interesting that he's over in Taiwan. So you think about what are some of the things that could really hamper growth? Well, there's geopolitical stuff now that we have this debt ceiling debate um, out of the way. So it just feels like, you know, there's not a lot of fear in the market with the 17 VIX. We have some of the, like, the growthier things, the 10-year crude uh, you know, some of these the resource stocks, they're screaming about the potential for a slowdown. People are still in the camp that we're going to have a soft landing. And I think that's reflective of just this kind of hawkish Fed that keeps saying that we're going to raise interest rates because the data still suggests that we need to be vigilant on inflation. But it really feels like stagflation is going to be the thing mid this year, the back half that will really cause, I guess, some fear back in the market. So that, so that's couple, my two cents. Yeah, because it's you're happening right. couple, about the risk assets. couple things. Jamie Dimon, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, so I apologize, but he basically told people to pre- be prepared for 6 or 7% interest rates. I mean, his words, not mine. Um, he obviously has his finger on the pulse. There's no upside in him saying things like that. He's just sort of, I think he's sort of stating what he sees on the horizon. And you mentioned NVIDIA. Again, this is not this is not a hate fest on NVIDIA. It's an extraordinarily important company. It's an expensive company as well. But I think it was last Monday um, that they made comments about the potential, um, the potential devastation in the form of continued yeah. deterioration in the relationship between the United States and the Chinese in terms of the tech sector. So they obviously have a lot to lose there as well. So there's probably a bullseye on their back too. And you know, China Micron didn't seem to get a lot of airplay. Obviously, Micron shrugged it off in terms of the stock. But then you look at some of these other names. Um, you know, if we could pull up an AMD real quick, because I just think it's fascinating. The AMD quarter, which was reported a few weeks ago, or if not, you know, four weeks or so ago, market didn't like their quarter. As a matter of fact, I think the stock, which closed around 89 or 90 that day, I think traded down to 81 bucks or so. And here's going to be the chart. 
in a second. And there you can see it. I was actually exactly right. Closed around 90, traded down to 81. Two things happened. They announced a some sort of collab with Microsoft, and then they're getting caught up in this whole AI frenzy as well. Again, it doesn't mean that AMD is a bad company, not at all, but it means there's a frenzy going on. And if you don't think that's panic buying, um, you know, it's funny when it's buying, and we talk about this, Dan, it's always orderly or fundamental driven. But if that was flipped upside down and we looked at that stock going lower, people would say it's panic selling. It's just an interesting juxtaposition. Yeah, no doubt. Um, interestingly, let, let's update a trade um, that I did, I think about a month ago. I actually was, you know, it was in the US dollar and we were looking at the Dixie and, and we were saying about, you know, the ability to kind of hold that kind of 101 support level, which which it did. And we were buyers at 101 and a half. We were targeting maybe a move back towards that spring high. I guess it was like kind of Marchish. It was just above 105. And you see that 200 day, which is really kind of flattened out. It's declining a little bit. I mean, listen, if you had that trade on and, and you're up a few percent the way and a move like the dollar like that, that's a big move. And it might make sense to start legging out of that trade because, you know, to me, I think what happens next is probably correlations across lots of different risk assets going to one, um, meaning like like the volatility. <laughs> if we were to get some downward volatility in the stock market, um, if we were to get, you know, maybe 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 just a Fed that just not only doesn't pause, doesn't skip but raises and then says they're going to remain, you know, vigilant. Um, maybe that feels like a turn. Uh, people very quickly, Guy, are going to start focus on Jackson Hole, the big Jackson Hole summit of the Fed and that sort of thing. We've had huge moves, right, in and around that. So, you know, the dollar will move one way or another, and maybe it makes sense to kind of leg out of that trade because, you know, if it were to come in, it's going right back to that 101, and it probably finds some pretty good resistance to that 105 level, that 200-day moving average also. Good trade, without question. I mean, I still think there's um, room left to the upside in the dollar, but to your point, it probably makes sense just in a discipline factor to start taking something off. But, you know, it's funny. The dollar has moved, you know, non sort of under the radar screen to the upside. Nobody seems to be talking about it. And around the same time, gold took a leg lower. But gold, if we have a chart real quick, because the dollar takes us right to the gold chart, we held this sort of uptrend that we're in in the gold market. And I think if gold can rally, and your eyes can see that. I mean, we didn't draw the trend line. But if you look at the November low, then you look at the March-ish low, and then this recent low, that's a pretty significant uptrend line that we have held, in my opinion. And you're seeing sort of the move today. So if gold can continue going higher in the face of a dollar that seems to find its footing, I think that gold trade that we highlighted last week is still alive as well, Dan. Yeah, you know, we threw the Bitcoin chart in here, guy. We haven't talked about Bitcoin in a little bit. And so th this is kind of one that I thought was interesting because it was really around the time of the regional bank crisis, right? And, um, you know, you see originally it sold off. Like correlations were pretty high among risk assets, right, in early March. And you see that sort of sell off. And it's funny, though, if you go back two months, okay, when, when Fed fund futures really were pricing in legit cuts by the end of the year, what did you see to happen in Bitcoin? You saw it rally. It came off the mat there, right? And then it sold off and then went up in a straight line when, when everyone's like, oh, yeah, this is why we own Bitcoin, right? Because the, the traditional financial system is going to fail and we're just going to continue to debase our currency. And that's the only way that we basically have to combat these sorts of like, you know, issues that we have in the, in the, in the banking sector and that sort of thing. But it's interesting today that it gapped up 
Is it that we're closer to the Fed basically being – I know this sounds so stupid. You know what I mean? Like, like I, I, you know, it's kind of funny. I don't know why, but it's it's something worth keeping an eye on. Yeah, well, it's I don't think it's coincidental that gold's bouncing today as well, and I don't think it's coincidental that the regional banks are taking another – obviously, they've bounced off the lows, but they're taking a leg lower here today. So I think they're all part and parcel. I mean, I think there are things below the surface that the market is trying to sniff out but nobody seems to want to acknowledge when you have an S&P seemingly goes higher every day and when you're basically have this frenzy in these AI names. And it is, listen, you call it what you want. You could say it's fundamental. Uh, I mean, I think Doug Cass wrote about this earlier today. This looks eerily similar and sounds similar to what we saw, you know, 23 or so years ago when people were talking about these and valuations didn't matter. The Internet is clearly still here but there've been some winners and losers along the way. And oh, by the way, along the way, the market realized those valuations were unsustainable. And I think that's what we're sort of going to try to figure out from this point. It doesn't mean that AI is going away. I can't speak intelligently about, again, the total addressable market of AI and who's the winners and losers going forward. But what I will tell you is this reeks of what we saw two decades or so ago, Dan. No doubt about it. And the biggest winners back then, while they didn't have the kind of like earnings that, that these companies have right now, um, a lot of them lost 50 to 70, you know, some lost 80% of <laughs> yeah. their value. It took them like two decades to get back above it. Microsoft was a great example of that, a company that actually had real earnings and real sales. And, um, you know, it took them, I think, you know, 15 years to get back above um, it's, it's .com high. One, one last thing here, and, and I know Doug's been hitting this. Um, and we've been hitting it too, Guy. Um, the Russell 2000, we have the futures. We, we made this mm -hmm. chart up before. We didn't hit that. You know, when I look around, I was, I was mentioning all those other sectors that are not acting well, but look at the market cap. And again, we know that they have, you know, exposure to regional banks and, um, you know, energy and, that, and the like here. But with, with rates going higher, you know, or just a, a kind of more hawkish tone, Look at how look at how this sector act. I mean, like, like the small caps act. They just don't act well. So to me, again, I know I'm fighting it here, people, but I just think that you know, watch out. Okay, Nvidia well, was up six and a half percent. Now it's only up three percent. We already talked about what what you know Broadcom is, is doing and, and and how much it's off its highs. If if mega cap tech, if they lose this one, you're going to see an acceleration on a day where you already see you know commodities trading horribly. You're seeing small caps trading horribly. You're seeing banks really trade poorly, and that is the trifecta to me right there. Keep this visual, and I don't know if Jacob can do this. I apologize if if it's difficult to do, but just have this visual and look at the equal weight S and P because I'm going to tell you something. It's going to look eerily similar, yep. and I think. Those two charts. So that's the Russell 2000. And if we can quickly go back to the equal weight S&P, and I'm sorry. I mean, that's a that's pretty similar looking chart, right? So just keep that in mind because I think those two – listen, the headline story is what's going on with these mega cap stocks, AI and everything, and people are all getting jazzed up. The below the surface story and the second, third iteration story is what's going on really – below the surface with obviously the small cap stocks and to a certain extent what the market looks like if we equally weighted this entire thing. So just keep that in mind, Dan, Nathan. I got you. I will keep it in mind, Guy Dami. That was fun. We had a, a hot 30, as they say. Do they say that? I don't know. I don't know. Do people that? say that? I'm know. a little hoarse. I apologize. Yeah, you okay? You get, I'm always you know, indestructible, I, 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 as they say. I saw you at the Yankee game up in the Bronx, and, and one of us was crushing a 24-ounce ice cold bud light the other one yeah 
No, it was not. It's not I your was jam. Probably having like a hot chocolate or something. Were you really? Yeah. yeah. Well, probably. Yeah. I, you know, I'm not. I'm not. You see some of the people in these crowds that just they seemingly have one of these beers every inning. It's like really. Yeah, I, mean, I was I was one of them for the first four. Yeah, no, I, 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 yeah, I can't roll like that because I'd have to go to the bathroom. I wouldn't get out of the bathroom, but that's what happens yeah. when you're mine. Well, you know what? You always say you have a, a memory like an elephant. I have a bladder like a like a camel when it comes to a, a nice hot day that's, or a concert or something like that. So you know, that's impressive. Same. Run with that. All right, let's do it here, buddy. This was All fun. Right. We laughed. We cried. I cried. You laughed. Um, right, you we know. don't. We don't listen. We. Come every day to play, you know. I mean, that's yeah. we're we're not hiding from anything. But that's it for today's market call. I want to thank our sponsor, CME Group, where risk meets opportunity. Obviously, our data provider is FactSet, as Dan said. Financial data and analytics powered by tomorrow. Tomorrow, of course, will be Wednesday. Wednesday is a Carter Braxton Worth Day of Worth charting. We'll see what he brings. I guarantee it's going to be something uh, next level, Dan Nathan. So with that, I bid you a fond farewell. <laughs> 